It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation. What's happening? What's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Lockdown Rams. This is a Tuesday edition of Lockdown Rams. This is brought to you by Built Bar. If you guys haven't checked this out, it is the number one protein bar out there. All the good stuff. Plus, it tastes like a candy bar. I'm not joking. It's that good. All you got to do, head over to builtbar.com, enter the promo code LOCKDOWN. You get $10 off your first box. We got an awesome show for you guys today. In fact, we got an awesome week for you guys today. We're kind of jumping in. Lockdown's doing a really fun um, topic series this week of the what if. So we're taking a look at different scenarios across uh, the Rams organization and other podcasts across the network are doing the same. Taking a situation, whether it's a draft pick, uh, whether it's a trade or whether it's a move in the organization and looking at what would have been different if things went the other way. Uh, today, we're really excited. We've got Ryan Dyrud on with us. Ryan, how you doing, my man? Doing great. Doing great, Brad. Thanks, as always, for having me on. Love just uh, chatting Rams football. Exactly. And we were able to kind of double dip here. I just jumped on your podcast, which I'm sure, uh, sure is going to be up in the next day or so. Uh, so make sure to go check that out as well. We kind of talk about uh, some of the best teams the Rams had that didn't get over the hump and get a Super Bowl championship, kind of a last dance version of the Rams kind of taking a look at who the Bulls knocked off on their magical run, never made it. Utah Jazz, the Indianapolis Pacers, Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, uh, who else was in there? Oh, the Pistons. Uh, So the Rams were that, you know, the second, um, you know, team and a lot of situations to a Super Bowl winner. So we talked about that really fun episode. Guys, make sure to go check that out as well. Uh, But today we're really excited to kind of dive into our What If series. And I think it really the best way for us to start is, again, most recently, as the biggest decision I think the Rams really had in the past handful of years was when they traded up multiple picks to go select Jared Goff with the number one selection back in 2016. Many options they could have done there. Many options they could have done there. Not trade up, stay with your picks, and there's some quarterbacks coming up the year after in 17 that were pretty worth it. We'll talk about that in the third segment. But also, uh, going the other way, picking Carson Wentz. And and I remember talking about this way back when this all kind of broke out in 2016 is actually when I moved to Los Angeles in 2016. So did the Rams. They went up and got that first round draft pick. And this was my first startings of covering the Rams were were, which direction do they go? Uh, We'll talk about that here today. So want to jump into that now. And I guess the best way to start really is just kind of pitching it over to you, uh, getting your thoughts. Where were you when this happened back in 2016? Uh, When you're looking at the Rams making the move back in April, I think they traded up. And then I think it was only nine days later that the Eagles traded up to number two. You knew they were going quarterback, quarterback. What were your original thoughts Uh, when the Rams moved up to the number one pick and the direction you thought they should go. Yeah, Brad. Well, well, first, I think this is an awesome segment you guys are doing. I think I love the storytelling aspect and and especially with no real sport going on right now, being able to kind of dive deep into these what-if scenarios, go down these rabbit holes and kind of see what could have happened had something been done differently, I think is so much fun. And I remember back in in 2016 when this, when first the Rams created up, first, 
my initial thought was, oh man, that is a lot of draft capital to give right. up to move up essentially 14 spots, number one. But then as I kind of chewed on it more, I actually loved it because here's a team brand new. To, I mean, not brand new. Obviously, they were here 20 years prior, but back again in LA and needing to really make a splash to give themselves on the map in the Los Angeles sports scene because you have the fans of old. But a lot of the new fans are Cowboys fans or Seahawks fans, Niners fans, Broncos fans, all these other teams because there hadn't been a team here for 20 years. So you really have to kind of put yourself back on the map in the Los Angeles sports team and trading up to number one, having the number one pick when you're the new team here and obviously going to take a quarterback certainly does that. So they were the buzz of the town. They were the buzz of the NFL uh, media conglomerate. And uh, I think that in itself was a very smart business decision. And then we can get into whether or not the selection was a smart choice. But then you have, like you mentioned, the Eagles that then move up just nine days later or so to the number two spot. So it really made this now an arms, not really necessarily an arms race, but in a sense, and pun intended, an arms race for which quarterback suited the Rams best, whether it was Goff or Wentz, which we will get into. But I think just at, on the surface, to answer your question, I was kind of shocked and bewildered at first. And then when I looked at the landscape of sports in LA, it made a total sense. I think it was a, a genius move to move up to one. Yeah. Think about it. So it was April 14th when they made the trade, the Rams sent their first round pick, which was number 15 overall, two second round picks, a third round pick and a 2017 first round pick, 2017 third round pick all to the Titans for the number one pick. I think they also got a fourth round pick and a sixth round pick uh, back in that, but again, not really. You know, the the highlight of the package, all of that was the Rams' uh, multiple first round picks, multiple second round picks to move up. And you got to remember, since 2010, coming into that, the Rams had seven different starting quarterbacks. They had Sam Bradford, Nick Foles, Case Keenum, Austin Davis, uh, Sean Hill, Kellen Clemens, and AJ Feely were kind of the most recent history as far as quarterbacks go uh, for the Rams. And there was the the idea as you kind of said coming from st louis making this big move to kind of go and make that big wow splash into the market are you going to come over here and throw case keenum into the la market which kind of they ended up doing in his rookie year anyway but uh we'll get to that in a little bit but yeah that was the interesting come in here make a splash get the excitement up uh and there was two guys up there uh that were very much you know for debate or as you mentioned in the arms race for being that number one pick uh and I think back to looking at this, and I was a huge Carson Wentz guy. Uh, I loved his mobility. I loved kind of coming from a small school, which usually would be a knock, but uh, he was there for five years. He redshirted his first year there, but all five years he was there, uh, they won the championship again in Division Two. but uh, he was around winning. He just seemed like a tough guy. He went through some injuries, but of course, uh, you saw him produce some really good numbers out there. And then looking at Jared Goff coming from Cal, and I, I pay attention to that uh, conference because I lived up in the Seattle area on University of Washington campus. So I was a big University of Washington fan. And, you know, Cal was never, um, you know, looked at as, you know, this tough, tough team. Obviously, you've seen some really tough quarterbacks come out of there, Aaron Rodgers being another one. Um, but Jared Goff got beat up his his uh, freshman year, started to get a little bit better. They really turned that team around, but still weren't this uh, wow factor of a quarterback, in my opinion, uh, a little bit more of a boring quarterback, if that's you know a very broad analogy or a broad description of what I saw Jared Goff as. 
Uh, but the Rams saw something in him. They loved uh, the California kid. They loved the arm strength that he had, the deep ball accuracy that he was able to show. And it seemed like there wasn't much of a debate for the Rams when it came to it. But that's why we have today's show, really to kind of break into that debate and talk about you know what was what would have been or what could have been the what if of the Los Angeles Rams. And I guess we can just start with kind of throwing it back to you and looking at the difference of if the Rams pulled the trigger and went with Carson Wentz, what would life have been in LA in that first year? Does he still sit? Because remember, we talked about it briefly, but Case Keenum started those first nine games for the Rams. Jared Goff sat on the bench. He finished uh, the final seven. I think only three of those with Jeff Fisher. He was fired halfway through the way. Um, but talk to me if they do switch directions and go with Carson Wentz, how you see that playing out in the first year, maybe the first couple of years, is it any different than what Jared Goff went through? I do look at Carson Wentz and I'm with you. I, and this is, I, I want to be said, this is nothing against Jared Goff. I've been a big Jared Goff guy. I think he gets too much crap. I think he deserves a lot more credit, but I've always been vocal about my, my love for Carson Wentz, if you will, my man crush for Carson Wentz, if you will, I just something about his game, which you alluded to, the athleticism, the arm talent, the leadership, the intangibles you can't really have, I think he has. Um, and so I think he would have done really well in Los Angeles in the scene here um, in Hollywood. He wouldn't have shied away from the lights, kind of not saying Jared Goff does, but Jared Goff's a much simpler, quieter demeanor, kind of the cool, calm guy where I think Carson Wentz is a little more rah-rah. Um, yeah. So it could have it been good for the team and for LA in a sense of, of this new team in LA, the new face of the franchise, perhaps starting from day one. But then, then you have to look at, would we still be seeing Jeff Fisher behind the helm if they would have had more success with a Carson Wentz led squad that maybe started earlier? Maybe we still have Jeff Fisher and you don't have the 2017, 2018 runs of these Rams teams where not saying Goff not starting caused that, but potentially by Goff not starting, They had the abysmal beginning of their season. Jeff Fisher's fired. They need to do something to save face here in L.A., bring in the new young Sean McVay, and now Sean McVay and Jared Goff are really face, and the rest is history. So, so many ways you can go with that scenario, and I kind of went down a a random tangent. but uh, No, I like it, and and I actually want to, you know, pick that up and and carry it into the next segment because I I think you made a couple really good interesting points about Jeff Fisher and what would the career be different for him in the Rams, and that's what we'll touch on next, and, and then taking a look at, uh, year-by-year comparisons to these two quarterbacks. And maybe at the end of the day, you really couldn't go wrong with the selection you make there at the number one pick. But first, before we get over to the next segment, got to talk to you guys about Built Bar, the number one best-tasting protein bar that's out there. And yes, that's my opinion, but all you got to do is go try it, and I guarantee you are going to put the stamp of approval on it as well. My favorite flavor is the mint chocolate cream, but I'm out. I'm running out. I got to go back and order some more. They went by fast like that. Each box has 18 bars in it. Seven flavors right now, seven with nuts, seven without nuts, as well as they've got the new bonus flavors that just came out. Chocolate cookie dough, as well as mango and peach cobbler. Every time I say that peach cobbler, it sounds so good. Those new flavors are add-ons. Add-ons $9. You get $10 promo code, so you can either get the free add-on or go get it taken off your box. Boxes are $37, brings it down to $27 with the discount. Again, head to BuiltBar.com, enter the promo code LOCKEDON. Don't just take my word for it. These are the best. Go try them yourself. Built Bar, $10 off when you use the promo code LOCKEDON over at BuiltBar.com. 
The Suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So you alluded to in the last segment as we kind of finished that up, talking about what would have been different for Jeff Fisher? And this is interesting because this is a whole other different story within the story. And that's why I love these what if scenarios, because, you know, just like a domino effect, one thing affects the other. And my question is, you know, in a sense of, you know, questioning this topic is, you know, how much was Jeff Fisher on the hot seat already coming into that season? And my understanding was that the seat was starting to get pretty warm. Obviously, they go and get this number one pick. And I always wondered what Jeff Fisher's, why the reasons were, because he kept saying, oh, I need to make sure he's ready and Case Keenum's the best chance we have at winning football right now. Uh, but that's typically, you know, these days you see a few quarterbacks get drafted high like that, sit and, and wait their turn. But usually there's another really solid quarterback there that you can kind of lean on. As much as I love Case Keenum, he's a solid fill-in starter type of quarterback, but I don't think he was that veteran guy that I would look to as far as getting the nod over a number one pick. I would have loved to see Jared Goff get in there. In fact, going back to some of the podcasts I did that time, we were begging for Jared Goff to get in there, even in some garbage time, just to see what he's got to kind of you know create that makeup. And I think that might have been one of the downfalls of Jeff Fisher is he kept thinking, well, if I play this rookie and we really suck, then... I'm fired for sure. So maybe if I can have a decent team and with a, you know, with this aging veteran or this veteran that's been around a lot of teams, um, you know, kind of have him lead the way. And even if I'm in that classic Jeff Fisher, eight and eight, that I'll be able to buy another year and then I'll have a chance to work with the quarterback that I had, you know, some input in getting. Uh, but that wasn't the case. Obviously they were, you know, they won four games that year. He got fired. Uh, before the season's end, and and maybe he looks back, and I, I would love to have Jeff Fisher's opinion to say, hey, if looking back, would you have just gone uh, with Jared Goff and gave him an opportunity? But in that first year, Jared Goff, again, went 0-7. Uh, Carson Wentz ended up jumping right into that starting role. As you mentioned, he had 3,700 yards passing, 16 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. That was his big downfall was kind of the touchdown-to-interception ratio. But then in year two, and you mentioned Sean McVay coming in. Jared Goff airs it out for 3,800 yards, 28 touchdowns, and I believe his career low seven interceptions. Uh, probably one of the greatest seasons he's had as a Ram, kind of jumping out of nowhere uh, in his second year. Uh, you know, with the Rams, and and they made the playoffs that year, 11 win team. Uh, Carson Wentz again gets better in his second season. Uh, they go all the way to the Super Bowl. He has 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions that year. Obviously, we know. Uh, what happened with the injury. He didn't actually win the Super Bowl or play in the playoffs, 
I actually had locked on Eagles on the other day and they were talking about uh, a lot of their starting quarterbacks getting to the playoffs. And he said, you know, whoever started that season didn't start the first playoff game. They go back six or seven quarterbacks where they had that issue understanding now why they maybe draft, uh, you know, in the second round at quarterback, but you know, it starts to even out. And as you go back and forth between Carson Wentz and Jared Goff, the, the numbers are so ridiculously close that it's kind of crazy. If you're looking at long-term history of them, uh, games started Carson Wentz 56, Jared Goff 54, um, wins as a starter, Carson Wentz 32, Jared Goff 33, Losses as a starter, Carson Wentz, 24, Jared Goff, 21. Um, winning percentage, Carson Wentz just over 500 at 571, Jared Goff at 611. Uh, passing completions, he's got 1,300, Carson Wentz, because of obviously the time he's played a little bit more. Jared Goff, just over 1,000. These guys are almost hand-in-hand hand as far as stats go. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the, the ceiling, the high ceiling, and if they do go Carson Wentz, and we talked about working in with Sean McVay and seeing the growth of Jared Goff from year one to year two. We saw Carson Wentz was pretty strong in year one, year one got better. Um, do you think Carson Wentz would have been a better quarterback in Los Angeles with Sean McVay as the head coach? Yeah, that's a great question, Brad. And even I just want to mention, even their yards total separated by 30 total yards. That's with, crazy. With their yardage career. So the, the similarities are in county. But, but this is where it's really interesting because I think, especially when you have so many people that call Jared Goff, a system quarterback. Obviously, that's alluding to Sean McVay's system. But how does he actually fit in the system? And would someone like a Carson Wentz even be a better fit? Goff clearly, obviously, plays great in the system. And I think McVay has kind of tailored around some of his skill sets, specifically arm talent, arm strength, uh, his mobility. I know a lot of people knock on Goff's mobility. I've been the first to say, while he's not a running quarterback, he is mobile. He is able to yeah. move in the pocket. Outside of Lamar Jackson, he was the second most uh, or he had the second most bootlegs and passes outside of the pocket outside of Lamar Jackson. So that's kind of a fascinating thing that probably yeah. a lot of people would guess that Goff was second. No. But when you look at that, I don't think anyone would argue that Jared Goff is better at some of those things than Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, I think, is a more athletic quarterback, is a more mobile quarterback, is able to extend more plays with his legs. So him outside of the pocket, how McVay kind of draws thing up, how would he fit into that? And with the, the zone schemes and some of the running schemes, and I, short answer is I think Carson Wentz would be a great fit. Great fit. Would he be better than Goff? Perhaps. But statistically speaking, would it be a huge, huge difference than what we see in what Goff can do? I think the biggest difference between Goff and Wentz and what a lot of people kind of knock on Goff is their ability to kind of play off design or when the play breaks down, the ability yeah. to extend plays and get creative and be that magic man in the pocket, which we've seen Wentz do time and time again when he's able to just pull something out of nothing, similar to what Russell Wilson does up in Seattle. Goff doesn't necessarily have that. When things are going right, he's great. He's got, I think, one of the best deep ball accuracies in the entire game. But Wentz is able to just kind of ad-lib, if you will. And, and times like last year, when they really needed that, that's where you probably could have seen Wentz maybe been a little more successful. But on the overall scale, I think, I think Goff still fits well in this. But yes, I think Wentz would have been really fun to see in this McVay system and how he's able to kind of bring some of those other intangibles in and kind of make some of the other players around him a little better when plays break down. 
Yeah, very good points. And I'm going to kind of double dip on a few of those because you mentioned, I think even in the last segment, one of the things that Carson Wentz does a little bit different, he's a little bit more of a rah-rah guy. He's got a little bit more of a bubbly personality that kind of comes through both on the field and off. And I think that's one thing that kind of drives some Ram fans up the wall a little bit is sometimes you just want to see a little passion or energy uh, from Jared Goff. I think I go back to the uh, fourth and uh, fourth and one QB sneak up in Seattle where he gets it and he comes through fist pumping. And it was like one of the most, uh, most emotions we've seen from Jared yeah. Goff. And, and that is one difference when you're looking at uh, being that leader and you look at different quarterbacks like Russell Wilson and you kind of lean to those guys as more leaders uh, at the quarterback position. I think that's one thing that Jared Goff has to kind of improve. And, and again, I'm with you, not knocking Jared Goff, uh, kind of a fun debate here. And, and I think he's a great guy and I think he's going to be a good quarterback for the Rams. But in a way, if he can start to take a little bit more ownership of that offense, you know, the first couple of years, it was always, oh, McVay's in his ear whispering all the way up to the last second of the play clock, which is fine because that's legal, right? But I think I want to see him, you know, more on the sidelines, taking guys on the side and, and coaching them up and doing those type of things to take that next step. And as well as you, you also mentioned with Carson Wentz, the when the play breaks down, Jared Goff's in trouble, right? When the play breaks down, Jared Goff seems to be in trouble. That's where a lot of those fumbles come from. That's where a lot of those interceptions come from. And Carson Wentz has that Aaron Rodgers in him where, hey, play breaks down. I'm going to go to five other plays that are in my head, and I'm going to roll out of the pocket. I'm going to make something happen. Also, we've seen that is why he gets injured, and he's gotten taken some hits that he didn't necessarily need. And again, that's part of the argument. Will Carson Would have Carson Wentz stayed healthy out here in Los Angeles? You never know. You don't know what hit is going to happen in any other game along the way. Uh, but Jared Goff also has been able to prove his toughness in the uh, one versus one comparison. He hasn't missed as many games as Carson has. Uh, and then you mentioned kind of the uh, Carson is able to kind of take it on when the team isn't able to meet those expectations. I mean, look at his wide receivers that finished the season to sneak into the playoffs. He had nobody. He was throwing to, you know, a practice squad guy and three guys they found in the parking lot the, the night before. Uh, and that I don't think Jared Goff can do. And that's the one difference maker is kind of that uh, that extra little persona, that extra uh, boost in a quarterback, something special that you only see in a handful of those quarterbacks that make them elite. And that's the one thing I think Jared Goff is missing as of right now is the able to, you know, if Todd Gurley's out, if our number one wide receiver's out, can you go and get it done with a bad offense line? All those things stacked up against you. Can you have that? quarterback takeover game and we haven't been able to see him do that yet and I don't say that's out of his realm of doing things uh, but that is the interesting debate when you look at these two and again as we talk statistically if you go the other way in history you're probably not that far off maybe you win a couple more games maybe you get to that Super Bowl and Carson Wentz is able to muster up more than three points you know which we talked about on your podcast uh, earlier mm -hmm. today um, but maybe not, right? And that's the fun thing about the what if. I think at the end of the day, as I said at the end of the first segment, that regardless of the quarterback you take, I think that the Los Angeles Rams fans are happy with who they have. And the other side of that uh, mountain is, you know, is is just what if, right? Is what yeah. if we went the other direction? So, oh, and, Br uh, and Brad, real quick, I think it'd be fun too if you look at the other side of the coin quickly with what makes we just talked about what makes Wentz probably so good is that able to ad lib similar to Russell Wilson. So what would he be like in this Rams team where the offensive line has been obviously their great Super Bowl one they had a great offensive line, but last year was decimated. Yeah. How would he have performed? Whereas Jared Goff goes to an Eagles team who arguably has had the best offensive line in the NFL for all of Wentz's career. How would Goff do behind 
the stalwarts of the NFL at, you know, and Peters and all these great, great offensive linemen for his entire career. Maybe he could be better in Philadelphia than what we've seen because of how great, whereas Carson Wentz maybe tries to ad lib too much and you almost just need to let him go off script, which he could do behind an offensive like that. So just something else fun to kind of think about how very true guys could do in different offenses in respect to just the offensive line. Very, very true. There's two sides to every what if question that is that's 100% true. And you're right. Like, what is the takeoff level for Jared Goff in the development? What is his first year? And, and if you want to even go that way too, Jared Goff goes out there his first year. He sat much of his time here in Los Angeles. He goes right into the fire in Philadelphia. You mentioned a great line having some weapons there. Uh, but what if he hits the wall that first year and all of a sudden he's a bust regardless because he was thrown into the fire too early and Jeff Fisher's laughing somewhere going, that's exactly what I was thinking, right? Give him some time and let him develop. But uh, we'll never know because he's out here in Los Angeles and he sat the first nine games and Jeff Fisher fires a few days later or a few weeks later uh, and Sean McVay came in. But that's kind of the next question and we'll get into the third segment. Sean McVay came here uh, in 2017 with, hey, we just spent the future on this kid. You're going to have to work with them. Uh, what if the Rams didn't trade up and they had that picks and they had all the picks from 2016 and 17 and they said, okay, we passed on a quarterback when we moved here. We gave Case Keenum and maybe they brought in another free agent or so uh, to compete or they drafted a guy like Dak in the fourth round with their picks that they had or they took him in the third round before the Cowboys went and got him and they have a quarterback here. Um, but what would Sean McVay do when he came in 2017 with some draft picks? We'll talk about that next if the Rams didn't make the trade here on the Locked On Rams podcast. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football with your Locked On Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry, you can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. All right, so we have been debating, talking about that pick back in 2016, number one overall pick. We took selected Jared Goff. Carson Wentz went number two. We've talked about, is it smarter to go back and forth? I think we've both kind of come to agreement that at the end of the day, I think the Rams would have ended up with a really decent quarterback, a guy that they could have built their franchise around. Uh, maybe you look at some outcomes being a little bit different. But at the end of the day, there wasn't really a bust pro uh, project uh, there in those first two picks, which is nice because, you know, that was the one thing we talked about in two, six, 2016 is, are we going to look back in four or five years and go, dang, we missed. We just completely missed. And I think the Rams can get away with saying that they didn't miss at all, that they got a quarterback that they could obviously win with back-to-back -back NFC championships, getting to a Super Bowl. Uh, but let's take a look because, again, I talked about what they gave up for that uh, draft pick. Again, it was the 2016 first-round pick, 2017 first-round pick, two second-rounders in 2016. Uh, and looking at how that kind of shook out, um, 
For the Titans, they got offensive tackle Jack Conklin, who now signed with the Browns. They got defensive tackle Austin Johnson, who now signed with the Giants. They got running back Derrick Henry, uh, who had a breakout season the last couple of years, really has paid off. He, they franchise tagged him, paid him a bunch of money. Wide receiver Corey Davis came out of that draft. Uh, he was, I believe, their selection at number 15. They declined his fifth-year option uh, this offseason, and then tight end uh, Jonah Smith, who had 18 catches in 16 games last year. So for the Titans, uh, some of it worked out, but some of it's now elsewhere on other teams. They didn't really keep a lot of those guys around. Uh, but when you look back to this and you're thinking about that trade, what if the Rams don't trade? Is that a better what if? And what are your thoughts on uh, Rams just kind of sticking where they were at, which was selection 15 and waiting to see what happens with you know year one in L.A. under Jeff Fisher? Yeah, well, when you first look at the Titans have done, I'm glad you broke down kind of the players they gotten. And of that, really all that's really panned out for him has been Derrick Henry, who is one of the better running backs. But if it's me, I'm a big quarterback guy. I hands down am taking a top 15 NFL quarterback over a, a dominant power rusher who you can, you know, you I'm not, I always kind of get into running backs interchangeable. I know that's a huge debate for another time, um, but I'm still taking a franchise top 15 quarterback. So to me, just on the trade aspect, it has still worked out for the Rams. But if you do look at the say at the stay put argument, sitting there at 15, this draft historically in the first round after the top 10 was a very poor draft after right. you know after the top 10 at 15 actually Corey coleman went to the browns so i don't even know if he's in the nfl anymore to be honest with you running a uh, receiver out of baylor um you have you know ryan kelly was a center who went to the colts you have kenny clark a defensive tackle who's been decent out of ucla went to the packers and that's about it of anyone of even worth mentioning in the first round and then obviously you can have guys in the later rounds but that's more of a, a crapshoot from there so so when you look at just that aspect i think Obviously, it's paid huge dividends for the Rams and the fact they get a franchise quarterback. Um, they get a guy who's been a leader, who's been focal in the community, who's done stuff for this Rams team, and now obviously is at the hip with Sean McVay. Whereas if they were to just stay put, say take a say take a Paxton Lynch or something at 15, who obviously may go down as one of the biggest NFL busts of all time. But at the time, he was talked about as a top 15 potential yeah. QB prospect. Say they go with him. He's obviously going to be blunderous in the Jeff Fisher offense. I, who knows what he would look like if he stuck around for Sean McVay. But I think you're looking at a very different Rams team moving forward now, which is what you're probably alluding to, and not to beat you to it because I'm sure you're getting to it. But then you look at the the next year's draft when you know you have Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, yeah. guys of that nature, who obviously I think most people would probably take over Jared Goff, as much as we do like him, I think you would take a Mahomes over. <laughs> You'd probably take a Deshaun Watson over as well. But it's too hard to say that they're going to be there for the Rams if they're picking that high, which they were, obviously, because of how bad the season was with Jeff Fisher. But, um, yeah, it's, just, it's hard to tell. But I, I, I think, obviously, you would take those guys over Goff, but I don't think it's necessarily been bad for Goff. Um, now, you, you mentioned Dak. I'll let you start with that. I mean, do, do you like the prospect of taking Dak in the fourth round? I mean, uh, now I do, <laughs> you know I mean? At the time yeah, you look at that and that's, that's maybe part of the conversation that's happening in the back room with the Rams is they're looking at, okay. Um, not only you're looking at what quarterbacks do you have in this draft in the 2016 draft before you make this move in April, which is kind of funny. The story behind that too, is also less need at the NFL combine. Uh, his suite was right next to the Tennessee Titan suite and he kept 
uh, telling people around that he was sneaking off to the bathroom uh, when he was actually sneaking out to talk to uh, the general manager of the Titans to find a way to move up. Got to remember the Titans the year before that uh, took their franchise quarterback, who now is in Oakland and Marcus Mariota. And so they weren't interested at a quarterback at the top. So that that made a perfect trade partner for the Rams to get in. And if you even want to go into what if, I mean, what if, uh, you know, he wasn't next to the Titans at the NFL uh, combine. Does that conversation exist? And and of course, I would think that Leslie would go through the process. But um, you know, everything plays into these what if scenarios. But yeah, I think the the crazy thing to think of is yes, in that 2016, can you find another quarterback? You mentioned Paxton Lynch, who went in that first round in a big time bust. You hope that the Rams wouldn't have uh, you know sunk too much value into a quarterback like that or a prospect like that when you're looking at Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. But to see Dak down there, some value at hey, again, we're going to, Case Keenum's going to, regardless of who we get, Case Keenum's going to be our guy uh, moving forward. And maybe I wish that Jeff Fisher had a little bit more open, honest conversation, and maybe he did about the process of bringing in a quarterback regardless was going to sit for a while. Um, but yeah, then you look at, you would hope they'd also look at 2017. Who's going to be coming out? Patrick Mahomes uh, was starting to get some attention, but did people really rely on him as being an NFL transition quarterback? He was in that you know, running gun offense uh, at Texas Tech and, and you know, kind of shootout style. And I don't know how much people were really in love with them. I know some GMs were obviously Kansas City Chiefs moved up to go get them. And then Deshaun Watson, who, you know, later that year went and played in a national championship game and had a, a you know, tremendous performance really the last couple of years at uh, Clemson. He had a really good season. So, uh, you know, maybe that's interesting prospect. You got the Bears who, you know, moved up and went and got Trubisky at number two. Maybe it's, you know, the Rams going one and, and the Bears going two. And that's the debate that we would talk about instead of in 2016 Rams Eagles. But uh, yeah, so many different ways to look at it. I think it'd be too hard to to see Dak as, as, you know, hitting in the fourth round. But maybe the Rams could have bought a year, saved all those picks and understanding that if Jeff Fisher was on the hot seat, that maybe we shouldn't let him drive the car as far as, uh, helping pick the number one pick. And I don't know how much he was driving. Maybe he was in the passenger seat and it was less need the whole time as far as the selection process goes. But I would have loved to see what Sean McVay would have thought in the interview process when they brought mm -hmm. him in, they got really excited about him and said, hey, by the way, we've been waiting to make a move. We just didn't know, you know how we wanted to go as far as the quarterback room. Here, you make the decision. And all of a sudden he's got an opportunity with not having a trade in 2016 to make some move in the 2017 and kind of move some picks and move up to get one of these guys. Like you said, who knows if they're there, but with the Rams not trading the year before looking to be aggressive, maybe they make those, all those big trades and you'd feel a little bit better about going and getting a Patrick Mahomes. So that's, what's crazy about this is did the Rams do their big trade a year too early? Maybe. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think the great thing is, as you mentioned a couple times here, and I totally agree with you, is that they still got a viable quarterback. They're not in the market right now. So that tells you, um, you know, that they did something okay. He had one down year last year. I think he's going to bounce back. But um, for the Rams' sake, they still got that franchise quarterback, like you said, uh, is kind of tough. There's a lot of quarterbacks out there. And to get a guy that you can go and give $135 million confidently, um, you know, it, it takes it takes a special guy. So uh, yeah. Jared Goff was the guy, but interesting looking back at it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And if Brad, if I can just make two quick points about Dak, yeah. I, always, I always think it's fascinating when he obvi he's obviously going to get lumped into this conversation of these three quarterbacks that are taking the same year. Um, but I always find it fascinating when you have fans or even analysts that say, man, the Rams should have just waited. They could have got Dak. Look at that diamond in the rough. Let's, let's be perfectly clear here. And I, I haven't sat down with Jerry Jones, but you know, I, 
been around enough people and talked to enough people to know that when Dak was drafted in the fourth round, I don't think he was drafted as the face of the franchise. Tony Romo was still there. He was drafted as a potential backup to compete to back up Tony Romo. And maybe in two, three years down the line when Romo retires, they end up getting a very, very viable potential starter and someone else that can at least compete in camp and maybe be the guy before they find their next future guy. I mean, you had guys like Christian Hackenberg was drafted before Dak, Connor Cook, Cody Kessler, Jacoby Brissett, all these guys drafted before Dak. So the fact that he was taken, he was not taken as the guy. So if the Rams took Cowboys. Cowboys wanted Connor Cook. I remember seeing a story that that, that was their guy, and then he was yeah. taking a couple of picks before, and then Dak was the kind of the one left over. Yeah, they wanted Paxton Lynch also. and they, they tried to trade up to get him, and the Broncos were able to do so instead. Obviously, bummer for them. But uh, So that that's one point. And then two, you look at what they've done in the NFL so far, and there's still that comparison of who's better. Well, let's look at this. Dak also has had one of the top running backs in the league. If you want to compare Zeke to Todd Gurley, their career, Zeke has always been one of the top. Dak's had the best offensive line in the league, along with Carson Wentz. And then if you compare that to the 18 Rams, had a good one as well. But that 18 Rams team and Jared Goff beat Dallas Cowboys and Dak in the playoffs without Todd Gurley with a just off the street C.J. Anderson. So to me, if you look specifically at that draft, Jared Goff was the guy for this Rams team, and I think they made the right choice. And that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. The what if is a what if, and and real life is Jared Goff in, in a brand new Horns helmet coming into a 2020 <laughs> brand new stadium. Uh, and I think you're right. At the end of the day, I think they got their franchise quarterback, and they don't have to worry about this game for a while. They they locked him up. They've uh, extended the contract or uh, renegotiated the contract to open up some money, which kind of also tells you, uh, more commitment to Jared Goff. There's a lot of talk about the Rams, you know, potentially trying to get off of his contract, but Jared Goff's here to stay. Uh, Carson Wentz is going to get it done, even though he's got someone breathing down the neck. And that would be the next what if is, you know, what if the Rams went and drafted a high ranked quarterback? And that's another discussion for another day. But the Eagles then went and did that a couple of years later, obviously in this most recent draft. But great conversation. I love kind of getting into these debates and the what ifs, and you start to, Uh, hear the other side of it and it starts to pop another idea of another what if in the same scenario so lots of fun things and I'm sure we missed a couple of them so reach out to us on social media and let us know what we missed and what other ways you would have seen this go down if this could have been different whether the Rams not trading up or taking Carson Wentz so uh, appreciate you Ryan for coming on let everyone know where they can find everything that you're uh, putting out there and uh, when that next episode that we just recorded previous to this will go up. Yeah, thanks, Brad. Always appreciate you having me on. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan Dyrud, LAFB. Uh, the website is LAFBnetwork.com. All your Rams coverage, Chargers, Bruins, and Trojans, and the Believe in LA Football podcast, which will be going up uh, today, Monday, so later this afternoon. Awesome. Well, Ryan, we appreciate it. We look forward to talking to you again. So tomorrow we've got Jake Ellenbogen coming on. We're going to be doing another what if. What if the Rams didn't trade Eric Dickerson? What would that of history have looked like? We'll have him on from the Downtown Rams Podcast Network. We'll be talking that. But with that said, Rams Nation, you know what it is. Until next time. Peace.
Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fantasy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network. 